Welcome back to Wellbeing Beyond Measure, a multi-part series. This is the fourth session. It's about stress. And I'm doing things a little bit differently today than I have in the previous sessions. I have mentioned that this series is a big experiment for me. I'm experimenting with a different format of the podcast. I've taken a break from having guests for a little while just to focus on myself really, to focus on you in a different way, and to experiment with a format of an online program. I've talked a lot about this in previous episodes. If you want more context, I encourage you to go back to the introductory episode of Wellbeing Beyond Measure. I'm doing things differently today, essentially, that I did a little less planning. And when I first started Wellbeing Beyond Measure on the podcast, I actually didn't want to do a lot of planning. Part of the inspiration experimenting with this right now is that I have a very different schedule than I did about three or four months ago. And that's certainly impacted my energy, my time, the way that I think things through, the way I prioritize. And so I thought maybe doing this program would be helpful because I had already started to map it out last year. I was planning to offer this as an online program from the start. And I made this outline and started crafting it. And then as I explained, I think in the introductory video or the episode, or maybe it was the episode prior to that, it's getting harder to keep track of when I said what. Essentially, I was going to put this course together and offer it up in a environment where there probably would have been a lot of students coming into it. And for many reasons that I already explained in those episodes, I decided not to do that and just thought I'd go back to my outline and start to develop this program in real time through the podcast and through the private community Beyond Measure. That typically involves me creating these slides and I present them to the Beyond Measure community because I want them to feel like they're having a more structured experience. But today I did not have it in me. This week I did not have it in me to make those slides. And I decided today I'm just going to wing it more than usual. And the reason being is I've had a very stressful week and I had a stressful day leading up to the moment I started recording today. There was a thought in my head that I wouldn't even do this. I thought about postponing this, canceling it, bumping it to the next week and apologizing. But I really don't like to do that. Integrity is one of my core values. I like following through on what I say I'm going to do as, as much as possible. But that's not always possible. Sometimes we are faced with the decision of taking really good care of our well-being and following through. Sometimes we are choosing ourselves over others. And that's extremely hard for me. Oftentimes I choose others over myself. But the reason I followed through with the schedule today is that I opened up my outline and saw that today's focus is stress. And I thought, you know what? I need this too. I think it is beneficial for me to record this, to show up for the Beyond Measure community and all talk about stress together. And I decided that I would approach this from the vulnerable position and feeling that I'm in today and share with you a little bit behind the scenes of the stress I'm going through. Maybe it'll resonate with you or maybe it will make you feel better knowing that whatever version of stress you might be experiencing now or in the future, that you're not alone. And just because somebody like myself records a podcast or coaches or does programs, that doesn't mean that I have it anymore figured out that my life's necessarily easier. 
it's such a misconception. And the older I get, the more I realize, like even these professionals, these experts that we look up to or we think are going to guide us through everything, a lot of them are struggling too. And it's just not really expressed in the professional setting like a doctor, for example, a therapist. Oftentimes we keep those parts of our lives very private and hidden, but that's not my style. My style is to be really transparent whenever it feels right for me to be sharing. So I won't go into too many details about this exact circumstances, but essentially I faced many moments this week of extreme stress, with some of the work that I'm doing. I do a ton of freelance work as a consultant mostly. I have a number of different clients. I'm very blessed. I love all the different work that I do, but some of it is really exhausting. Some of it is really challenging. And one client in particular has pushed me in ways that I'm really not sure are the things that I want to continue doing. I don't know how else to say it. Like it, it is a level of stress that doesn't usually feel good. I think there are different types of stress. There's stress that feels really beneficial for our growth. There are ways in which we push ourselves beyond our comfort zone, beyond our limits. And we're doing that because maybe we have a big goal. We want to learn something about ourselves. We want to reach something. It's required. But sometimes there's a gray area and it's hard to tell if stress is worth it. And that's really the place that I'm in right now as of this recording. Like, I don't know if I want to continue experiencing this stress because I care so much about my well-being and my mental health. This particular client that I'm working with, it's very nuanced. It's hard to say because I value this client. I value the work, but it's extremely stressful for me. And I've had multiple moments of feeling like, why is this so stressful when I got this opportunity with this client, I thought I was fully capable of doing it. And perhaps I am capable, but am I capable of doing this while ma maintaining my well-being? And I actually this week had two meltdowns, which are very unusual for me, but I remember experiencing meltdowns before I left a job about, I think it was probably 12 years ago now, when I was working for Apple, a company I deeply love and care about. I was so honored to work for Apple. It was such a great job. The decision to leave was a day that I felt like all the stress built up so much in my body that I melted down. And I don't remember the exact specifics of that meltdown, but I just remember feeling like it was all too much. And it was very hard. I took a long time for me to determine what I was going to do, but I eventually left. And sometimes I look back and, and even consider working for Apple again, even though it, I don't really have major benefits to working for them, aside from just loving the company and loving parts of the experience. But what I didn't love was the stress of that particular role that I was in. And that's essentially where I'm getting to right now with one of these clients. And it's a bit sad when you want something either doesn't feel like the right fit or it doesn't feel worth it despite how much you want it. It's just too hard. And I don't know how what other words to put it in because I'm still processing this. A lot of this is happening in real time. Maybe I will push through it. 
I'm going to talk today about resiliency, for example. There are times where we surprise ourselves with our resiliency. There are times that we set boundaries and realize that's what we needed to move through stress. There are times where we might downshift in our life, and that might mean doing less or leaving things, like a job, like a role, like a career opportunity. There are times where we really need to prioritize our rest above all else. And those are some of the things that I'd love to explore today. I'm going to see some of these resources in real time for the first time in months and go through them. The first one is from psych.co. Ooh, it's really beautiful. I'll put links to everything I mentioned here in the show notes. This guide is about how to feel less stressed. And my visceral reaction to it is there's a beautiful photo that immediately felt soothing to me. And then this article talks about how everyone handles stress differently. And there is a four D's approach, D as in dog. And the four D's are discover, develop, dilute, and distract. It's shaped like a pyramid in this article. And distract is about reducing the stress right now. Identifying things that take your mind off the stress. And that could be using our phones, watching TV or movie, reading, exercising, things that are pleasurable or relaxing. Those things sound really nice, but sometimes we're not able to do them. For example, I have not had a moment to distract myself really today. So I've had to manage my stress a little bit differently. So I think being able to distract yourself can be a luxury and a privilege at times. Sometimes based on how your life is set up, it's literally a matter of time or it's a matter of what has to go. So I guess the question would be, can you distract yourself right now? Is that available to you? And maybe it is, but it looks different. It's in a different form. In a way, recording this episode right now is a bit of a distraction, although I had already committed to it. So it feels like a complex distraction, but maybe connecting with people and doing something that I enjoy. I'm not sure if that would fall into that, but it is a way to cope. And the article encourages you to think about what your go-to distract activities are. Now for me, in 2022 and before then, I was using social media a lot to distract myself. And I determined in 2023 that I didn't want to do that. Sometimes I really miss using social media as a distraction, to be honest, because I don't always want to read. I don't always want to go take a long exercise class. I don't always want to sit down and watch TV show or something. Like some things feel really time consuming. And what I enjoyed about social media when I was using a lot, especially platforms like TikTok, is I felt like I had all this pleasure and stimulation happening in a short amount of time. So it was like a really like fast paced distraction. And I think it was just like all this input and all the serotonin, dopamine and stuff from those experiences of watching a bunch of videos like felt really good. But I decided that distraction didn't work for me because in the long run, it actually felt like it was harming me. So I think it's really helpful to think about what are you currently doing? How are they serving you in those moments of stress? And 
the long-term elements of it. And maybe there's something else that you can do in its place. That's something that could be benefit beneficial for me, actually. The second part of this model is to dilute the stress. Finding ways to get better control over the stress in your body and mind. There are very te various techniques you can use, like slow breathing. I do a lot of this in this program. Most episodes start with that. It always helps. Sometimes I have to be reminded because I find a lot of resistance to slow breathing, which is funny. I'm curious if that's something you experience, but it does make a massive difference. Just breathing. This is one of the reasons I love yoga as yoga has so much focus on the breath and movement. Most of the times I'm really looking forward to the yoga class I'm going to take in a few hours. Some people do grounding exercises. We do this a lot in coaching, mindfulness meditations. So I would say actually looking over these recommendations, they're very core key elements to how I approach coaching when I do group coaching within Beyond Measure or when I'm doing one-on-one. -on -one. They're also ways that you can identify strengths and resources. I love that. We talked about that a couple of sessions ago. It's a little affirming to see. This also shows you how I've developed a lot of the programming that I do. Something I haven't incorporated that's worth mentioning is setting aside worry time. My therapist actually recommended this to me. <laughs> And in this article, it says that worry time involves noticing the worry, but choosing to think about it later at a specific time and place when you give yourself permission to worry. That's good. That's hard, but I like the concept. I often want to worry in that moment. I get a bit impatient and I feel like I need to worry now. I need to deal with this now. You know, It's hard for me to set aside time later, mostly because I'm feeling like the worry is going to be gone, but maybe that's part of the exercise. If we put it farther ahead in the future, by the time that time comes, the worry might have already left us. And it's a reminder that the stress, the worry will pass. That's my interpretation. The next D is to develop. Actually, I think I skipped over the worry time is part of developing. Okay. So that's part of the third one. So is identifying your strength and resources. There's also a technique called compassionate imagery. Just as thinking of something dangerous can prompt the mind and body to prepare for fighting or fleeing the threat, thinking of something comforting and helpful can relax the mind and body to prepare for a stressful experience from a more explorative and problem-solving perspective. For instance, bring to mind an image of a person whom you would feel comfortable talking to about your problems. The aim is to use the image to get into a discovery state of mind. Yeah, that's really nice. I think sometimes I naturally do that, but it's nice to think of it as an intentional thing, especially if that person's not available. I don't know about you, but there are times where I feel like talking to somebody is what I really want to do to move through stress, but sometimes people aren't available in that moment. Maybe you try to call them and they don't pick up. You text them and they don't answer or you get a hold of them and they're not available and they say, can we do this at a different time? But maybe you can use compassionate Im imagery to bring to mind that person and almost pretend that you're speaking to them. You could even use someone you don't know or you don't have access to 
in this article, they recommend a fictional character or a spiritual figure. There are even meditation exercises that involve that. And it's nice to know that those are available for you. Maybe that's something I would add to the audio toolkit because we did one of those exercises a little while back in Beyond Measure that involves imagining yourself in a place where you feel really good and then experiencing the presence or a conversation with somebody, whether you know them or not. It was a really nice exercise that evolved out of something I did in a meditation class a bit a while ago. And then the fourth D is to discover free writing. A big thing that I do, even in the program so far, is I'm a big fan of giving prompts and allowing people to just start to journal about it. And that's actually a little tricky for some people. Sometimes there's a pressure to come up with an answer. And to that, I would say, maybe you can write about the pressure. What does that feel like? You can give yourself a fixed amount of time. You can set a timer. You can join a coaching session. Just really giving yourself a container where you don't feel interrupted. I love the prompt to just keep writing, literally keeping your pen on the page at all times, your pencil on the page, your fingers on the keyboard, and don't stop. Don't even worry about spelling, punctuation, or grammar. Just allowing it to flow out of you can be an incredibly therapeutic experience. Not always something I enjoy, but something I benefit from. So I think when you're thinking about these different approaches, some of them might not sound appealing, but they're worth giving a try because they have been shown to work. They are evidence-based, many of these. So I will pause there for now with this article and encourage you to take a look at it if you're interested, if this approach feels very appealing to you. I had taken a couple of notes and I can't remember if they came directly from this article, but they were related. Essentially, understanding that stress is part of everyday life and that everyone's experiencing the stress in different ways to different degrees. That might mean that you're not getting enough sleep, that you're feeling really irritable, that you're overwhelmed, that you feel on edge or in a low mood. Sometimes we know the source and the, the cause of these feelings and other times we're not even clear on why we feel that way. Sometimes there are specific events happening in people's lives that create this ongoing stress. And what I liked about this article, this guide essentially, is that it gives you tools that you can turn to on a daily basis. You can experiment with, and most of these tools are within reach regardless of your circumstances. They are things that you can do all on your own, sometimes just using your body, sometimes just using a way of writing. And to me, that's helpful because a lot of times it feels overwhelming to go out and buy something, to go out and do something, to have to use a specific tool that we might not have yet and we might need to acquire. But knowing that there are things that are within reach literally anytime you need them, like your breath, one of the greatest tools that we have, to me, that feels very comforting. I've shared often in my approach to coaching a guide with that came from uh, Princeton University, which I'll link to in the episode notes. Princeton University has 
some really great resources. And I liked the way that this particular one in their health resources section talked about and defined stress. It says that stress is the body's natural response to challenging situations, causing muscles to tense and the mind to be more alert. The burst of adrenaline gives you energy to meet your goals. However, if stress does not subside and continues to upset your daily life, the effects can be serious. You may experience problems eating or sleeping, headaches, neck aches, back aches, upset stomach, fatigue, poor concentration, nightmares, frustration. That's because stress affects many bodily functions, especially your immune system. And excessive stress is believed to be a factor in illness ranging from colds and flu to heart disease. And this is exactly why it feels like such a priority to notice what's going on for you. Sometimes stress is so subtle, you might think that you just have a headache, but what if that is a symptom of that stress? Maybe your muscles hurt. Maybe you feel a burst of adrenaline, like really thinking through your experience and taking some notes on it, I think is another beautiful way to approach stress is, is just noticing yourself right now if you're feeling it. For me, like the meltdown is a big, it's like I am clearly stressed, but I don't always notice stress that shows up in more subtle ways. And taking a daily inquiry, whether it's through journaling or meditation or something that allows you to tune into yourself just to see how you're doing that day and how that's relative to other days can be simple or can be a way to figure out what your needs are and also do it from a compassionate, non-judgmental space because these are things a lot of people experience. Now, Princeton also has some methods to reduce stress that I'd love to go over and see if we can build upon what was shared in the other guide. Number one is to set realistic goals, long-term and short-term, and reward yourself on the way to reaching those goals. Would that work for you is the question. We talked about goal settings and focus, planning and vision two sessions ago. Actually, strengths and values was the previous session, but uh, the goal setting came before that. So going back to that and really tuning in and even asking yourself if goals feels good for you. Not everybody enjoys even that word goals. You might have a different relationship to a reward system too. What do rewards look like for you? Sometimes feeling a reward is just being acknowledged and validated. I often think about the five love languages framework with this and I'm a big fan of words of affirmation. That's one of the greatest rewards I can get but it's not always within my control. Words of affirmation, I tend to re respond to them best when somebody else says them to me. But what I'm starting to practice is giving them to myself. It's a little bit harder to believe at least. <laughs> but a reward could look like a gift. It could look like an experience of some sort. It be a service, really tuning into what feels good for you to receive. And is this like a transactional thing? Like you have to earn it for yourself or sometimes just giving yourself a reward, even if it has nothing to do with reaching a goal. I think that in itself can, can reduce some stress because you're acknowledging that you're worthy of that experience, regardless of what you do. Princeton also recommends finding a healthy mode for release, which goes back to some of the things that we talked about 
a little bit earlier was a distraction, learning relaxation techniques that we talked about, making a to-do list. Now, I think it's important to note that sometimes making a to-do list can make you feel more stressed, especially if it's much longer than you thought it was or would be. Sometimes bringing attention to everything you need to do can be stressful. So I personally would take that approach very mindfully. However, sometimes when we do that, it can help us bring a focus to doing one thing at a time. Sometimes we're stressed because we're trying to do way too much at once and we haven't set our priorities. I like this next tip about scheduling for interruptions, giving yourself about 10 minutes per hour for unplanned interruptions. I could really benefit from this, but this is so hard for me. I tend to just schedule, schedule, schedule. I think I can do so much more that I'm actually capable of doing without being stressed. And that's part of the key. Earlier when I was talking about capabilities, I think most of us, at least many of us, are even more capable than we may realize. But are we capable of doing things from a less stressed, a low stress state of being? Yes, I am capable of doing task after task after task, but I am far less stressed if I have about 10 minutes per hour for unplanned interruptions because they do happen and those are usually out of my control or they're unexpected. Another approach is eliminating clutter from your day. And that could be literal clutter. Sometimes cleaning up, tidying, organizing, that makes me feel good because it's not always it's not only the act of doing it, it's also knowing that I feel a little bit better when my personal space isn't very cluttered. But clutter could be a variety of different things. It could be distractions. It could be things that you don't really want, things that you don't resonate with, things that you no longer need. So taking some time to think about what clutter means to you can be helpful. And then seeing is, is there something that you can take off your plate, take out of your life, take out of sight? How does that impact your stress? Scheduling breaks seems like a pretty obvious tip, but again, I think it's easier said than done. So I will leave you to actually, ironically, I have a break scheduled in 10 minutes for myself. If I finish this recording on the time frame that I planned, then I will take that break. But that mentality, I could maybe shift and say, I'm going to take a break regardless of when I finish this. Now that sounds really nice, but I also think that ties into a luxury and a privilege because each of us have our lives set up differently. And sometimes we don't have as much agency or control over things like breaks, very circumstantial. That's a little bit of a tricky one. So is the next tip, which is staying healthy, getting enough sleep, exercising regularly, fluids, balanced diet. I think most of us know that those are helpful, but they can be hard and that's okay. Can we prioritize them though? I think when we tune into our awareness and what we need, maybe picking one of those things to focus on an increase. For example, for me, I'm very focused on movement right now and specifically yoga. I've been going to yoga every day and that's very helpful. It doesn't get rid of stress though. It's part of feeling less stress. It's part of managing stress, but it's not a cure-all. Getting enough sleep is another thing I often talk about. B big challenge for many of us. It's funny, looking at this list, I, I feel like there's the, a few things on here that I will 
leave up to you if you want to continue reading them because some of them feel a little overly simplified. Sometimes these there are tips that don't really address the deeper roots of our individual experiences and why we're at where we're at. Who are we as a full person? The next link I have for you is from the Washington Post. And this article is titled, To Boost Happiness, Treat Your Weekend Like a Vacation. This is very timely in the moment that I'm recording this because it's a Friday. And I really need to do this for myself. I work so hard Monday through Fridays right now. And my weekends have become very sacred. But I think you can use the word weekend for whatever time frame you would like, whatever day of the week you would like. It doesn't have to literally be Saturday and Sunday. The article said that treating the weekend like a vacation activates a mindset shift, nudging us out of our constant doing mode where our activities or items are trying to get through to check off our to-do list. The vacation mindset allows us to feel like we can actually take a break and enjoy the moment. Mood seemed less dependent on what you're doing and more on how present you were while you can be while doing it. Sorry that this is taken a little out of context for another part of the article, but I like that when your mood is less dependent on what you're doing and more present while you're doing it. I think yoga is another great example. Sometimes I go to yoga and I am not present. I'm in that room just going through the movements, waiting for the class to be over, to be honest. And other times I go into yoga and I'm so lost in the experience that I've lose all sense of time. I'm just fully there. And I think it's interesting that this article covers like how our moods can be dependent on that present experience, not necessarily what we're doing in that present experience. And I think that ties so nicely into so much of what's been shared, which centers around what your experience is, emphasis on you. It's not whether you do any of these things, it's which one you're choosing to do and what that feels like. Another thing I'd written down, but I don't remember what the source is. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Wouldn't be surprised if this comes from Tara McMullen, who's an author I really enjoy just from the how the writing goes here whoever wrote this pulled from a common definition of burnout which is physical mental or emotional exhaustion accompanied by decreased motivation lowered performance and negative attitudes towards oneself or others and frankly reading that out loud sometimes i in this moment it makes me wonder is what i think it to be a meltdown, actually burnout. Because I'll tell you, I have felt physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted this week. I felt a decrease in motivation. I've noticed a lowered performance. And what really surprised me this week is I experienced a negative attitude towards myself in a way I don't usually experience. Sometimes we need to see a definition like this to realize, whoa, that's what I'm feeling. Am I experiencing burnout? Now, this quote that I have, which may or may not be Tara McMullen, this person said that their version of burnout is when there's more output than input for an extended period of time. 
If you make more significant withdrawals than deposits, you're going to eventually find yourself in the red, slowly but consistently moving towards depletion. Yeah. So how do we give ourselves more deposits and less withdrawals? I think it's an opportunity to reflect in all these different tactics. Now, I didn't want to mention things like resiliency. From a positive psychology standpoint, there are ways that we can build resiliency to really tune into ourselves when we need to use that. I have been a guide here of a variety of different exercises about how we can address life's constant changing and evolution from examining the ebbs and flows of things that come and go in our lives. There's an exercise that you can try called doors closed, doors open. You can also use your values to build resilience. This is one of the reasons I covered this in last week's sessions, really tuning into what you value in life, variety of different techniques. And then there's a way of approaching resiliency through the four S's, this positive psychology guide says that resilient people work through life challenges using personal resources, including social support, coping strategy, solution seeking, and a word that I don't know if I've ever seen before, sagacity. I guess that's the wisdom and insight that we hold on to. And there's an exercise that you can do to tap into these things. So if you are interested in trying some of these resiliency exercises, I will put that in the resource section as well. I mentioned downshifting. There's something called the slow movement that I've been very drawn to. It was my aim to downshift. And downshifters often prioritize life's core essence over the external hustle. They willingly choose a life of simplicity, working fewer hours, and perhaps even foregoing higher salaries to carve out moments for life's true treasures. By constantly, by consciously consuming less, they also reduce the environmental impact. Downshifters desire life where activities have innate value rather than being seen as mere tasks. The first step towards downshifting is reevaluate. I'm having trouble speaking. I need to downshift in this moment. The first step towards downshifting is reevaluating work commitments. It's so interesting how I put all these notes in here months ago before I took on all this new work. And it's almost like I was writing to my future self because I do feel like I need to reevaluate work commitments. And the slow movement has an objective of freeing up time for cherished activities. And I would say that I have lived that way for a long time. And then I decided to experiment with some different ways of working. And sometimes we need to do something different to realize whether it's for us or not for us. And I think I'm moving towards the direction of a lot of clarity and truly reevaluating a lot of the things I've committed to. I don't want to live a life of hustle. I'm very clear on that. But sometimes I make choices that fall into that hustle category. I think you can do things that might look like hustle, but not actually be hustle for you. I'm really playing with in my life. And I encourage you to do the same. We can set boundaries. 
we can back out of commitments and say no more often. But that's a lot easier said than done. I'm experiencing that in my life. It's not always an easy no for ourselves. I think the boundary work starts with asking ourselves what we want, what we're willing to say yes or no to, and that will guide us towards whether we want to back out of something or not. Not super easy. And of course, there's rest. Rest, I think, is one of the hardest things of all. I have a quote from a Substack post from a person named Pooja Lakshman, I believe, an MD, wrote a beautiful piece on four questions to ask yourself about rest and, and some of the takeaways that really resonated for me at the time were how our culture exalts productivity at all costs. Periods of low productivity are moments to be explained as opposed to viewed as part of the natural cycle of things. Most of us have internalized this narrative. Periods of rest are part of the natural cycle of production, not separate from it. How can we give ourselves permission to do things from a restful point of view, not jam-pack our days, and allow ourselves to move more slowly? That feels really different. And my takeaway right now is sometimes we need to truly give ourselves permission, not ask permission from someone else. We need to refuel, re-examine, re-evaluate. And in a way, experiences of stress and burnout are a beautiful gift because they can pull us towards those things, remind us of these things, force us to pay attention. When I had my meltdowns or burnout periods, whatever those were this week, I actually felt extremely present. And that was a gift. I had to pay attention to myself. My body was forcing it. I couldn't do anything else but experience the flood of intense emotions in those moments. And it actually gave me a lot of clarity about what to do next, where the priorities were. Did it give me the clarity to make a long-term decision? No, but it's adding up. There's clarity in knowing that I don't want to experience that on a regular basis. And twice a week is already too regular for me. So we'll see. I will keep you posted. Maybe that'll tie nicely into next session's topic of self-compassion. So stay tuned. Thank you for showing up for me, for yourself. And if you're in the Beyond Measure community, thank you for showing up for others. That word support came up a number of times across a number of resources. And to me, that is one of the most beautiful gifts that we can give each other is to just show up and listen and hold space and honor each other. It's a reminder that we all deserve it. We are all worthy of it. And we're in this together. So with that said, I'm going to go take that break that I scheduled. And then I'm going to go to yoga, which is kind of a break, an opportunity to focus on building my physical resiliency and mental resiliency. So I would love to hear from you if you're not already in Beyond Measure. It's a wonderful way to connect with me and be part of the community that I mentioned. I would truly love to hear your experiences with stress. And if Beyond Measure isn't for you, I would love for you to find another way to get in touch. I don't use social media much, but you can find me on LinkedIn. It's a great way to message me. And email is also an option too. Even though email stresses me out, hearing from you is worth it. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Wishing you all the very best with your journey with stress. 
And I hope to have you part of next week's session too. Bye for now.